and welcome to another edition of Digging Deeper with Brian Hale. Brought to you by Hale Multimedia, website and mobile app development for over 25 years. That's HaleMultimedia.com. Now listen in and join me online at DiggingDeeper.us. In a war that started well before 2019, secrets have been buried deep beyond the pale. We're here to reveal the truth. It's time for Vaccine War Headlines. This is a war on religion. This is a war on the children. They give you the cure with the sickness. This is a war on tradition. This is a war on religion. This is a war on the children. They give you the cure with the sickness. This is a war. It is a war, and it is time to talk about the Vaccine War Headlines, Volume 16. And we always start off with the VAERS COVID Vaccine Adverse Event Reports. And it's already up. The statistics through February 11th, 2022 includes 1,119,061 reports. 1,119,000 events that have been caused by a COVID vaccine. These are just the confirmed reports according to the government. Reportedly, there are many times more events than this that go unreported. So far, the numbers on the deaths, 23,990 deaths, including another 130,700 hospitalizations, 119,000 urgent care visits, 173,000 doctor visits, 9,000 cases of anaphylaxis, 13,900 cases of Bell's palsy, 4,080 miscarriages, 12,000 heart attacks, 35,000 myocarditis, pericarditis cases, over 43,000 people permanently disabled, 5,600 with thrombocytopenia or low platelet count, 27,000 with life-threatening circumstances, almost 40,000 severe allergic reactions, and 12,400 cases of shingles. This is just sickening to see all these reports because most medications don't make it past trials if there are more than 50 people that die, or even fewer than that in some cases. And there have been 23,900 deaths plus. Well, Floridians demand Governor DeSantis veto the bill extending immunity to hospitals treating COVID-19 patients. If you didn't see that video or headline, there's a bill sitting on the Hill. Florida Attorney Jeff Childers comments on the hospital legal immunity bill sitting on the governor's desk. Please contact the governor. If you are a resident of Florida, contact the governor and tell him to veto this bill. It is a bill extending COVID liability immunity for hospitals, doctors, nurses, and everyone in between for another 18 months. Put into plain English, there's no risk for the doctors in the hospitals to treat you according to what they are directed. There's no risk. They are to follow orders and suffer no consequences. 
FDA executive officer on hidden camera reveals future COVID policy. Is this the one you have on the Project Veritas report, Andy? Yes, there's two separate reports on that. With Christopher Cole is the one that they interviewed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got an article there on our blog as well as the video that we will be presenting. Yes. So listen up for that. So he also exposes close ties between the agency and pharmaceutical companies. So that's the second video. So we have the two Project Veritas exposés for you tonight. Correct. Okay, so stay tuned for those. And another problem here, uh, we have this video as well, right? We have this clip for you. Baby murder protocol. Infants separated from parents and threatened to be given remdesivir by medical industrial complex. I think they stopped the order, so they didn't actually give it to them, but they took the child away from the mother without her knowledge, evacuated him to another hospital, and had him on a remdesivir protocol because they said he was COVID positive. This is a newborn baby. The baby was born. They were cleaning him up, and they tested him for COVID, and he was COVID positive. So they shipped him out, off to, to another hospital. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. So watch that or listen to that video as well. A little bit later here in the COVID war that we have going on. This is Vaccine War Headlines, Volume 16. Listen to these clips. Well, a few months ago, we spoke with Allie Schultz, then as legal director with America's Frontline Doctors. Well, now Allie has taken on a new role as founder of her own group, Hands for Health and Freedom.org. But she's still fighting for the same causes to protect Americans from gross medical overreach and potentially fatal treatments. Last time Allie was here, she told us about her father-in-law, Chuck, being given a dangerous drug known to have severe side effects as retaliation for refusing remdesivir. Don't mess with our cash cow, we'll kill you. Well, perhaps the hospitals are getting angry about patients who are old enough to refuse drugs that they don't want because now Allie says that she's found hundreds of cases of hospitals isolating babies away from their parents and giving them remdesivir. Allie joins us now. Please tell me that hospitals are not essentially kidnapping babies and giving them a dangerous drug known to cause renal failure. It is pretty crazy. I can't believe that this is even happening in our country right now. I mean, what is a society if we can't protect our most vulnerable, someone who's hospitalized, let alone a a newborn baby? Um, So we've helped hundreds of families uh, through the advocacy process in the hospital, getting them uh, lined up with healthcare and legal assistance and just, you know, be an ear for them. But this one in particular was so egregious and so awful. A newborn baby, they PCR tested, said that she had COVID, confirmed it by taking an x-ray and seeing a little bit of fluid in her lungs. You know, she was just in fluid. She was just born. So they isolate a newborn baby from her parents and then lifelight the baby without telling the parents um, to another hospital. This is in Arizona. Vent the baby. And this poor family who has other children at home is going back and forth to the hospital finally once they get visitation after eight days. And then they say infectious disease gets involved and they are debating giving remdesivir to this newborn baby. Okay, so 
They, the parents had no idea where their baby was. They just literally took this baby, put it on a chopper, and flew it away without asking permission or getting any consent at all? Correct. And then they made medical decisions on their own without the parental consent. Correct. And what's so scary is I guess remdesivir is approved now under emergency use authorization down to 3.5 kilos. So this baby, you know, barely even met that criteria. But from what I understand, it's even the same dosage as they would give to an adult. But they still get their same 20% kicker on the entire hospital bill if they do remdesivir. So that, I think that's why they're doing it. Well, of course it is. This is 100% about money. They get over $100,000 if they go through the progression, uh, which ultimately ends up with ventilator, remdesivir, mortuary, uh, and funeral service. That's how this thing goes. Do they know if this baby even had COVID-19? And by the way, are kids largely even affected by COVID-19? And do they really do anything essentially to spread COVID-19? This is insane. This is absurd. It's absurd. All of the experts that I know and trust are saying that children, especially babies, are not affected by COVID. That this is just a a victim of hospital abuse. Where is this baby now? So this baby, it was just relocated to another hospital. This baby is off of the ventilator. um, And the family, since they have other children at home, they're very worried if um, they go public at this point and if they... Um, I guess, go against the government doctor's orders because that's when the state can get involved to say, if you're not following a doctor's orders, then, you know, you could be an unfit parent. And so we were delicately balancing this walking on eggshells process, which is so difficult. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So are you suggesting that if these parents say, no, we're going to decline remdesivir, that then the government could come in and say, well, then you're not fit to have this baby and we're now taking this baby from you? That is the concern that was presented to this family what, um, from many different litigators that we, um, when we were assessing the situation, that, that was the feedback. And so because of that, they did not litigate and they decided to just try to carefully walk on eggshells, play into this, um, like the God complex of these infectious disease doctors and try to draw out the time where it would not be reasonable to um, do remdesivir. Not that it's reasonable to do remdesivir anytime, but, you know, pa- three weeks past PCR positive diagnosis, that is unfathomable why someone would even bring that up. And so has the baby been given remdesivir at this point? No, we were able to... Um, push them off and hold them off. And um, thank goodness the baby was not. Handsforhealthandfreedom.org, folks. Ha- uh, handsforhealthandfreedom.org. Go there. This is Ali Schultz's outfit. So you, you were on here last time. You were talking about your father-in-law, Chuck, who was given a dangerous and potentially deadly drug as what seemed to be retaliation for refusing remdesivir. By the way, remdesivir, for those of you that don't know, Remdesivir is a drug that didn't even make it all the way through an Ebola trial in Africa because the majority of people who took it croaked. They died. Uh, this is proven to cause organ, renal, kidney failure and kill people. Uh, this is the protocol, the death protocol, that hospitals are being incentivized monetarily a 20% bonus on the entire hospital bill. That's the big payoff here is using Tony Fauci's remdesivir drug. Uh, this guy needs to swing. 
So um, how's Chuck doing now? He is fantastic. As a matter of fact, he got a call yesterday from one of our incredible like-minded doctors and said his labs are completely normal. Wonderful. Absolutely incredible. You know what is amazing? When someone can actually get treatment, that they can get better. When they're allowed to take their health into their own hands and advocate for treatment and actually be able to take that. I mean, it is ridiculous. Not only um, are hospitals denying therapeutics, they're denying hydration, nourishment, as you presented with a lot of the the, um, victims of this on your shows, too. But, I mean, it doesn't matter if someone's unvaccinated, vaccinated, this hydration thing is a really big problem. Cells cannot oxygenate if they're not hydrated. And it's becoming very clear that this is intentional. They're refusing hydration to hospitalized COVID patients. They're refusing basic nutrition to hospitalized COVID patients. Uh, They're refusing vitamins to hospitalized patients who present with these, this set of symptoms uh, being marketed and branded as a product that has made people billionaires. Ask Jeff Bezos how he's doing since COVID-19. Why was it safe for this guy to hire multitudes of people and stack them on top of each other like cordwood in his Amazon fulfillment centers, but it wasn't safe for me to go to my locally owned hardware store or get a haircut at the barber? But yet it was encouraged for me to go to Walmart and be stacked up nut to butt with people because that's safe. The whole narrative is blown up and now they're hijacking babies. This isn't fear porn, ladies and gentlemen. Like, like this is, I've been accused of that, like continuously perpetuating fear porn in my Telegram channel and causing people to panic. This should cause people to panic. They are abducting your babies, your newborn child from you at a hospital and airlifting them to another location where they can then in the dark behind closed doors, give them renal failure causing drugs and put them on ventilators. This is sick, preparing new babies for death. This is the liberal, progressive, radical Democrat, communist wet dream because they love killing babies already. They're for abortion. They fund these clinics and all the people that are behind the funding of these abortion clinics somehow have their hands in all of this COVID-19 nonsense. This lie, the biggest lie ever perpetuated on the global populace. Um, what are you doing at handsforhealthandfreedom.org to help other patients? What specifically is the function of handsforhealthandfreedom.org? So we are here to help you take your own health and your own rights into your hands. And so we have tools at your disposal. We have um, people to connect you with. We have a telehealth platform to keep you out of the hospital. And then also, if you're trying to get out of the hospital, you're going to need to set up oxygen, medications, et cetera, to get out um, and escape. And we can help facilitate all of that. We have a telemed platform. We have all of the legal notices that you Um, could potentially need to use. And then we also have an incredible team of volunteers that are helping guide people through the process. Yeah, and this is not about building your brand and selling t-shirts and hats and stuff like this is about actually helping people. You're not taking some big, huge six-figure income and paying yourself before you go and help others. You're actually concerned with helping others and perusing the website here. I can see, you know, Dr. Zelenko is on here. This guy, the, the, this guy, the Nobel Prize nominee, the Presidential Medal of Freedom nominee who saved thousands of lives in upstate New York, high risk COVID patients, 99.9% survival because of the early treatment that he came out bravely and has now had just relentless attacks against him, much similar to this program or any platform that's dangerous 
to this global genocide uh, program that has been rolled out here, murder for money, uh, killing for cash that's now happened in the new killing fields, the new ovens, the modern day ovens, the hospitals, these institutions that people have been uh, conditioned to trust, these people in these white lab coats, which I think is part of uh, this mass formation that we're watching happen here. The media is complicit in all of this, uh, but Hands for Health and Freedom is is taking hands, giving you the power back into your own hands for yourself and for your family. Going to the hospital is actually really dangerous now. That's I can't it, believe that we have to say that. It is so incredibly dangerous right now. I, um, I just feel that so many people helped me when my family was hospitalized because both my mother-in-law and father-in-law were in separate ICUs at the same time, as you know, Stu. And um, so many people helped me that I just felt like I had to pay it forward. And that's why we, um, I founded Hands for Health and Freedom. And then a lot of people who have been through the same experience felt that they wanted to pay it forward as well and keep their families out of the hospital because staying home and getting treatment is the only way to get treatment. Hospitals will not treat people at all. Uh, As a matter of fact, I have kind of an incredible story about methylene blue and keeping someone out of the hospital. So a... A friend of ours who has 60% heart function was one foot into the ER. I mean, he had his breathing rate and his pulse were both in the 40s. His name's Ed. And he had gone to this cardiologist that we set him up with. And this cardiologist recommended taking methylene blue. He said that an entire Navy command, that he has a family member who had COVID, the entire Navy command that this family member is a part of, took methylene blue and they were totally fine that day. So Ed tried it. He took this methylene blue and in 10 minutes, his breathing rate and his pulse were back to normal and he's home and he's doing incredible. If he had gone to the emergency department, we would have never seen him again. Yeah. And so it's just, I guess, staying open-minded to alternative therapeutics and um, researching and taking this information and doing what, what you can that's best for you and your family. That's what is important and what we're here to help with. And it's just shocking and almost unbelievable that we live in a country where it's actually become dangerous to talk about these things, to talk about ways to treat yourself, uh, to stay healthy, and moreover, to stay alive. Uh, You're a very accomplished attorney. You've got very accomplished doctors, uh, frontline people, great uh, proven early treatments. All of that can be found at handsforhealthandfreedom.org. Ellie Schultz, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Stu. Branch wants to inoculate as many people as possible. So you have to get an annual shot. I mean, it hasn't been formally announced yet. So you don't want to, like, uh, rile everyone up. The drug companies, the food companies, the vaccine companies, they pay us hundreds of millions of dollars a year to hire and keep the reviewers to approve their products. If they can get every person required at an annual vaccine, that is a recurring return of um, uh, money going into their, their company. I mean, just from everything I've heard, they're not going to not approve it. Meet Christopher Cole, an executive officer at the FDA with over 20 years experience who claims to be directly involved in the approval process of the various COVID vaccines. What you're about to witness raises some alarming concerns from the government's desire to mandate an annual vaccine for everyone, including young children, to the billions of dollars that exchange hands between our government and Big Pharma to railroad the approval process. 
I'm a manager for the uh, Food and Drug Administration. My uh, my agency oversees vaccines, oh. vaccine approvals, and and uh, devices for vaccines. And my office clears all the uh, emergency approvals. Since COVID is under emergency uh, order, we expedite the approval of any emergency. I've been there for like 22 years. Biden wants to inoculate as many people as possible. So you have to get an annual shot. I mean, it hasn't been formally announced yet because they don't want to, like, uh, rile everyone up. Is so, it going to be formally announced? Yeah, yeah, at some point. I mean, it's going to be, uh, uh, and some of it's been talked about publicly, but it has been talked about on, like, CNN or Fox or MSNBC or anything. Um, but yeah, it'll, 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 you'll have to get uh, an annual. I think um, what's going to happen is um, it's going to be a gradual thing. School's going to mandate it. Why do they need the third one? Well, the same reason um, that you or I would need the third one, to, because the, the vaccine, um, it wanes. Mm-hmm. Um, your ability to fight it, it wanes. So the three will bolster your, your system. And then there will be an annual, um, eventually an annual, just like the flu shot. For the toddlers? Well, for everyone. Okay, so the toddlers too. Then we'll have to get it. Probably. Okay. I mean, yeah. that's in the future. We're not sure. Mm-hmm. That might involve more uh, more studies. The FDA was scheduled to meet this week to discuss approval of the Pfizer vaccine for children as young as six months old. They were hoping to have the new vaccine available by the end of the month, but the meeting was unexpectedly canceled, citing the need for more testing. You guys have been in the news a lot the last couple of days. Yeah, we're looking at um, trying to prove. Um, I don't completely agree with their the process. They're looking at trying to inoculate um, um, kids under five years old, mm-hmm. between six months and five years old. What and do you mean you don't agree with the process? Well, I mean they um, they don't have all the all the tests aren't there. So I agree with the thing that it is important to inoculate them. Um, but you can't provide the, um, the parent as much um, assurity as you normally want to. Despite Cole's concerns regarding the possible dangers of vaccinating young children, it seems the FDA is still willing to go through with this approval. It's an EUA for all, all, um, all age groups, all designations, and then you have to get approved by specific age groups based on the study. Do you think it's really an emergency? For the toddlers? Well, they're all uh, improved under an emergency just because it, um, it's not as as impactful as some of the other approvals, emergency approvals, but they're all being approved under that uh, standard. The efficacy data doesn't have to be as high. The standard is on emergency use authorizations is that it does more benefit than harm. So how do you know it's already getting approved? Well, they're not going to, um, I mean, just from everything I've heard, they're not going to not approve it. I thought their cases weren't that high for six-month to four-year-olds. They're not, but because it's um, related to COVID, it's under that approval process. So how many babies did they have to jab, basically, for the trial? I don't know. I haven't went through the trial, um, how many people they did. You never, there's always a chance of a long long-term effects, especially with someone younger. Cole seems certain the federal government will require annual COVID vaccines, including young children, even though the efficacy, adverse reactions, and long-term effects are still unknown. It's hard to find, like, pregnant women 
um, for these studies and, um, and a significant number in order to be uh, statistically uh, accurate. I haven't tested enough on pregnancy, on you know vaccines and everything, and, and women because they have different you know systems than men. And they, they haven't tested enough. Well, they they have, but they, they haven't done enough prior. Now they also in the have been very good at promoting that, but that was an issue for uh, a period of time. Well, I feel like that's still an issue. It is still an issue. It's still it's still we haven't, still haven't gotten there. I, I read like a couple articles about it, and everything I saw was that the first two shots weren't effective. There there has been uh, yes, it is has not been as effective as they're expecting. I agree. And if all that doesn't raise some eyebrows, just wait until you see what he says in part two about the billions of dollars exchanging hands between our government and big pharma and what really goes on behind the scenes during the approval process. There's almost a billion dollars a year going into FDA's budget from the people we um, regulate. If they can get every person required at an annual vaccine, that is a recurring return of um, uh, money going into their, their company. We'll have part two of this James O'Keefe special from Project Veritas right after a message from one of these sponsors that never seems to go away. Hey everyone, this is Brian Hale. If you've heard this program before, you know I have been offering website help for many years. In fact, we've been in the business for over 20 and we'd love to help you for anything website related, even if you just need some advice. It's free. Email support at hailmultimedia.com or call 940-224-6315. Portfolio, pricing, and contacts all on hailmultimedia.com. Now let's listen in to more of that conversation in part two. They give me more money. Yes, that's great. And increase the chance of uh, an approval. Well, the dirty stuff is never really publicized. I mean, yeah, obviously but there's, it's, there's, on, more it's pre- there's more pressure. There's more pressure to prove something. They tone down the impact of the user fees on their operations. Because they know they're dependent on the drug companies and the vaccine companies and these other companies for their agency to operate. It'll be a recurring um, fountain of revenue. If they can get every person required at an annual vaccine, that is a recurring return of um, uh, money. The drug companies, the food companies, the vaccine companies, so they pay us hundreds of millions of dollars a year to hire and keep the reviewers to approve their products. Well, there's a money center for uh, Pfizer and the drug companies to um, promote um, additional vaccinations. Like how much um, money do they get? Well, I mean, um, it's, well, it'll be, it'll be a recurring um, fountain of revenue. It might not be that much initially, but it'll be recurring if they can, re- if they can get every person required at an annual vaccine. That is a recurring return of um, uh, money going into their, their company. Okay, so like if they mandate it for these toddlers, right. then right. it's the guaranteed income. It. Right, at some level. So do you think that's part of the reason why? Well, that's I don't think that's the reason, but that's obviously... Um, one of that's one of the benefits, right? They clearly want it 
um, also for that reason. A long time ago, uh, Congress approved uh, user fees for FBA. Basically, we charge the industry uh, millions of dollars in order to hire more drug reviewers and vaccine reviewers, uh, which will speed up the approval process so they make more money. My grandpa just like, it's like five, five and a half billion. <laughs> Wait, five and a half billion for what? FDA's budget. There's almost a billion dollars a year going into FDA's budget from the people we um, regulate. What do you mean the people? Well, the drug companies, the food companies, the vaccine companies. So they pay us hundreds of millions of dollars a year to hire and keep the reviewers to approve their products. And there's not a direct correlation. I think sometimes the agencies. Um, whitewashes the impact of the user fees. They tone down the impact of the user fees on their operations because they know they're dependent on the drug companies and the vaccine companies and these other companies for their agency to operate. On the overall impact on approvals, I don't think it has an impact on um, FDA operations. On, you know, on general i mean obviously there are some people in the agency which might think more favorably on some drug the drug companies mm -hmm. that are in the approval process well the dirty stuff is never really publicized i mean yeah, obviously there's, there's more pre me. there's more pressure there's more pressure to approve something just because it's uh most of the most of them well almost all of them will be based on the actual data so they give you more money yes that's great and it, increases the chance of uh, an approval, but if the data is not there, it comes and bites the reviewer in the, in the ass, where they all approve it, and then like there's adverse reactions, which we have to pull off the market. Does that happen? This happens. It happens a lot. And all these like uh, organizations within FDA, they like started to see all this cash in their eyes. It's like, oh, I, I need to grab some of that. And I think we've gone too far on that. They're getting a little overzealous in charging the uh, the user charging the user fees to other non payroll expenses why would they do that well why not uh, the money gets banked it's not spent it's a multi-year and the money gets banked there and uh, you want to be able to spend it spend it on on whatever you can whether it's right or wrong so then Congress approved it uh, at a smaller level they approved it mainly for payroll but then also now it's supporting infrastructure and everything, just like this animal out there. I, I think it's probably um, excessive. Um, but industry doesn't want to complain about it too much. But I think um, FDA is probably, I think they're using it to cover other expenses that don't necessarily tie in with the need of the user fees. I don't think there's enough people saying there, like, look, that's fine, but that's not right. So we're not going to charge that. You don't want to be that person. You're not going to have a long uh, shelf life in the agency if, if you're always that person. Always that person that's kind of over... It's like criticizing or suggesting that maybe we shouldn't be doing this. So if you speak out about it, if you see them... You're, you're, um, you're marked. What do you mean you're marked? You... Um, you're not going to get to certain levels. 
in government. There's not an incentive to uh, speak out in, in government, surprisingly. We think there would be, but there's not. It's better just to just um, not say anything and just ignore it. The whistleblower, um, well, it's high profile, the whistleblower statutes and everything. That's kind of ridiculous. Uh, there's no protection for someone who speaks up. Isn't there supposed to be? There is supposed to be, but like, there's easy ways to get around that. Um, How do you get around it? Well, you, um, you, you're, you'd be marked from getting other jobs because another office is not going to want, going to, want to hire you if you've spoken out about something right or wrong. They don't look at what you've spoken out about. They're just not willing to... Um, government's about rocking the boat. And they don't want to... Which is the problem I have with... One of the problems I have with government is like they don't like people rocking the boat for right or wrong at all costs. They want to hire a safe person that can do the job but doesn't necessarily is a great hire. So the so, type of person that will turn turn a blind eye if they see that's who they would that's who they would hire uh, from what I've heard. And they um no one's gonna hire that person. You're like you're stunned. It's better just to stay stay quiet and accept it. Like this, totally quiet. Do not be afraid to stand up for the truth. Let's pray for James O'Keefe and Project Veritas and everyone who is pursuing the truth at all costs. Thank you for listening to Vaccine War Headlines, a production of Digging Deeper. Theme music provided to Digging Deeper by Drucifer the Aberrant, Beyond the Pale. And that does it for another edition of Digging Deeper. Visit our website to catch this podcast and many others anytime. You can also watch our live TV network, browse our on-demand content, read our controversial articles, or sign up if you feel led to join the cause for defending our Constitution. It's all on diggingdeeper.us. We appreciate you listening, and remember, visit diggingdeeper.us to learn more about what we're doing to bring truth to light.